here on WERU, a voice of many voices. Support for WERU comes from Inner Tapestry, Maine's holistic journal, celebrating and supporting life, featuring alternative health and natural living articles, calendar listings, and a directory of resources. Available at health food stores and alternative health centers, 799-7995 or innertapestry.org. Support for WERU also comes from Quantum Insulators of Belfast, serving Midcoast Maine as spray foam specialists. Licensed dealers of the Isonine portfolio of spray foam products, including commercial and residential applications applications with renewable and recyclable content. More information at quantuminsulators.com or 338-3077. And it's a few seconds past 10 o'clock. This is Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming worldwide at weru.org. Stay tuned for Common Ground. Good morning and welcome to Common Ground, an hour on local food and agriculture hosted by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. My name is Melissa White Pillsbury. I'm the Organic Marketing Coordinator at MOFCA and your host for today's show. This is a monthly show airing on the first Friday of every month at 10 a.m. here on WERU. We're open to suggestions on future show topics and guests, so please contact us with your thoughts and ideas through our website, www.mofka.com. Today, we're honoring the 50th anniversary of the publication of Rachel Carson's Silent Spring. The book brought to light the dangers of chemical pesticides and is credited by many as having launched the modern environmental movement. Joining us today to reflect on the 50 years since Silent Spring are MOFCA's Deputy Director, Heather Spaulding, and Kaiulani Lee, the writer and performer of A Sense of Wonder, which is a play based on the life and works of Rachel Carson. Heather's worked as an environmental activist for over 25 years. After graduation from college, she spent 10 years in Washington, D.C., working for the National Wildlife Federation, the Sierra Club, and Greenpeace International before returning to her home state of Maine. Heather has been with MOFCA for 15 years and provides leadership on the organization's public policy work, among many, many other things. Kaiolani has more than 35 years of experience in theater, film, and television, she has starred in over a dozen plays on and off Broadway. She has taught film and acting and is the recipient of an honorary doctorate from Bowdoin College for her contribution to and excellence in the arts. In addition to A Sense of Wonder, her play about the life and works of Rachel Carson, Kaiolani also wrote and performs Can't Scare Me, the story of Mother Jones. I've invited Heather and Kaiolani to join us today to celebrate and reflect on the accomplishments of the environmental movement over the last 50 years and envision what the next 50 might look like. But before we begin the conversation on that topic, Heather and I would first like to share a few seasonal items of interest about what's going on in the main organic food and agriculture world. During the summer, MOFCA hosts a weekly series of evening farm tours that are open to the public and rotate to a different farm each week that we call the Farm Training Project. Next week on July 9th, we'll be at Doralena Farm in Montville looking at farm woodlot management. The following week on the 17th, John Bunker will host us at his Super Chili Farm in Palermo to give a tour of his homestead. Other farm tours we have coming up this month are at Mandala Farm in Goldsboro and New Beat Farm in Knox. 
both showing us how they farm with horses, and at Treble Ridge Farm in Whitefield and King Hill Farm in Penobscot, the topic will be on livestock management. You can find a full schedule of the farm training projects on our website. Again, that's mofka.org. Great. Well, thanks, Melissa, for organizing this and for hosting. This is Heather speaking now. And um, I wanted to just mention a few other events that we have coming up. Um, <clears throat> we actually coming up next week, there are three presentations uh, by <clears throat> Dr. Michael McNeil, who is the president of Ag Advisory Limited in Iowa. And um, MOFCA has been coordinating with the Western Mountains Alliance to bring uh, Dr. McNeil to Maine to give his presentation entitled Soil and Herd Health, Recent Research on Genetically Modified Seeds, Feeds, and Forages. Um, in last year, 2011, Mr. Uh, Dr. McNeil was one of a team of researchers, including Professor Don Huber from Purdue, who tried to convince the USDA to hold off on certifying genetically modified alfalfa for public sale uh, pending further research. Um, current research indicates the presence of a new and deadly pathogen in the genetically modified crops and glyphosate-laden soils. Um, the USDA failed to act, and the GM alf genetically modified alfalfa is now here in Maine. Uh, Dr. McNeil will speak in Starks on July 11th at Bowdoin College in Brunswick on July 12th and at the University of Maine at Presque Isle on July 13th. So that's a week from today. Um, and that's the one that Mafka, uh, Mafka farmer Jim Gerritsen in particular is, is really involved in organizing. That one's going to be 5.30 to 8 in the Allagash Room of the University of Maine Presque Isle Campus Center for any of you aristic folks who are streaming right now. That would be an easy one for you to get to. Um, so those talks are free and open to the public. Um, and they're also sp uh, sponsored by... Um, well, Mofka, of course, and then Wood Prairie Farm Education Fund and Slow Food Aristic. Um, another great event that Mofka is proud to co-sponsor each summer is the Needing Conference. And the sixth annual Needing Conference is going to be held um, in Skowhegan, uh, as it always is, on Thursday, July 26th and Friday the 27th. And um, then on the Saturday after the conference, they have um, an artisan bread fair. So that's Saturday, July 28th, and that's free and open to the public. Um, so the purpose of that conference is to bring together novice and professional bakers, grain farmers and millers, researchers, wood-fired oven enthusiasts, and lovers of handcrafted breads for workshops, presentations, and panel discussions. And I've been to the Needing Conference a um, few times, and it's really wonderful. So um, strongly encourage folks to check that one out. And then um, lastly, just wanted to mention, um, mark your calendars for this year's Common Ground Country Fair, which always takes place on the third weekend after Labor Day. So this year it's on the 20 September 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. And I'll talk a little more about what's in store for that later. Great. Thank you, Heather. I'd like to remind you that you're listening to Common Ground, an hour on local food and agriculture, brought to you by your hosts, Mafka and WERU. And for today's show, we're honoring the 50th anniversary of the publication of Rachel Carson's Silent Spring. We'll be taking calls from you, our listeners, in just a few minutes. But first, I'd like to hear from our guests today. In the studio, we have with us Heather Spaulding from Mafka, And on the phone, we have writer and actor Kailani Lee, 
who wrote and performs a play based on the life and works of Rachel Carson called A Sense of Wonder. And thank you very much for both to both of you for joining us today. Well, thank you, and, and Kailani, welcome. You're, you're uh, on the you. phone, but it's great to have you, and thank you so it's much for all you've done. It's a great pleasure to be on the phone with you all. <laughs> Yay. Um, and I'll quickly, um, I'd just like to quickly provide some policy updates, some uh, policy initiative updates that MOFCA's been working on through the years, um, and then we'll get into the, the meat of the discussion. Um, so as many of you may know, this is the 40th um, year of MOFCA. Um, August 12th, 2011 was the first official meeting of of uh, our organization, and so we celebrated last August 12th, and, and we've spent the year going around the state and hosting celebrations and potlucks um, and organizi organizing meetings in each of the counties. Um, it's been really, really great, and um, we have another one coming up um, next week, July 10th, in the East Sangerville Grange. Um, that's the Piscataquis County organizing, of course. And then we'll be up in Aristic County on July 26 um, at Jim and Megan Gerritsen's Wood Prairie Farm in Bridgewater. And then the last one to s um, that we're going to do is the Oxford County organizing, and we are finalizing the details on the date and location of that, but that's going to be sometime in the first week of August. Um, so quickly, uh, on the farm bill, um, probably <coughs> many of you have heard, as we've been sending out a lot of alerts, um, the U.S. Senate passed its version of the farm bill couple of weeks ago, and with some really important amendments that support rural development and beginning farmers and soil and wetland conservation. Um, and there was some um, commodity payment limit reform. So there were some really good things that happened. Um, there were also some deep cuts to some of the conservation programs on working farms. And um, Senator Sanders' Jeanette, uh, GE labeling bill, uh, let labeling amendment failed, which is too bad. Um, but the Senate Farm Bill came out better than it might have, largely because of all the help that, that uh, activists around the country uh, gave. And I know there are a lot of folks in Maine who had a hand in that. So thank you so much to everyone who pitched in on that effort. Um, now the Farm Bill goes to the House, and the word and the worry is that um, things are going to move at a snail's pace. So we need to really keep up the pressure there. Um, and then uh, the Monsanto lawsuit, many of you have heard us talk about that over the past year and a half. Um, there is a class action suit against Monsanto. Um, Mafka is party to this, and um, we represent more than 300,000 individuals. And just yesterday, um, we filed a brief in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit in Washington asking for the reversal of a lower court's February decision. You probably may have heard about that, but where the judge dismissed their, their protective legal action against Monsanto and their patents on genetically engineered seeds. So we are um, you know, going to continue to fight this, and um, the next step would be for, I guess there are a couple of weeks can pass before um, Monsanto has to submit their comments to, to th or they have to respond to our brief, and then we'll have a little time after that um, to respond. And so again, Jim Gerritsen from Bridge from uh, Wood Prairie Farm is the, the lead organizer on that. And um, if you want more information, you can go to woodprairie.com. 
Um, the Safe Chemicals Act is something that we've been working on for years, of course. It's um, to replace, to overhaul the Toxic Substances Control Act. And um, we also are waiting for um, action in the Senate on that. And uh, there's been a lot of really good organizing and collaboration, even with some of the um, some big personal care product manufacturers and, and players in the chemical industry. And, and we're hopeful that we're going to um, have some good progress on that. But we still haven't got Senators Snow and Collins to uh, co-sponsor or officially say they're going to support it. So it would be great for folks to contact Senators Snow and Collins and urge them to support the Safe Chemicals Act. Um, and so pesticides, kind of moving into the pesticides theme of today's discussion, um, we've been working on notification for a long, long time, and, and we, we had a big loss last year where the um, legislature abolished the uh, pesticide spray notification registry and kind of reverted back to um, putting the onus of responsibility for notification on folks who are uh, nearby sprayed areas. So uh, at this point, you got to go find your neighbor and or, or the managers of land near you and ask them to let you know if, if they're going to be spraying and um, follow up with that each year. Um, there's a lot more detail, but I don't want to get into that right now because I'm anxious to hear more from Kailani. And, um, and then, but one, one other thing on pesticide rulemaking in Maine is um, there will be a hearing on September 7th by the Board of Pesticides Control to discuss the use of pesticides in, in uh, Maine schools. And what we really were focusing on was the use of pesticides on school grounds and trying to prohibit any cosmetic use of pesticides because there's just no need to be spraying 2,4-D to kill dandelions on soccer fields. Um, so we'll be putting a lot more information out on that and, and hoping that people will turn out for the hearing on September 7th. So to sort of segue into the life and legacy of Rachel Carson, I'll tell you a little bit about what's happening, what our plans are for um, honoring her life uh, at this year's Common Ground Country Fair. Um, we are going to have a wonderful public policy teach-in uh, on Saturday morning, starting at 10.30 at the fair. And um, it's going to focus on pollinators and the effects of pesticides, the adverse effects of pesticides on pollinators. And uh, so that's going to be just a, a really informative discussion, and we have great speakers coming in for that. Um, we also have Jay Feldman as our keynote speaker on Saturday. Uh, Jay has served as the executive director of Beyond Pesticides in Washington since 1981. Um, you know, another amazing person who's dedicated his life to promoting safer alternatives to pesticides, to synthetic pesticides. And he also serves on the National Organic Standards Board, which develops the country's organic certification standards. So we're really honored to have Jay with us. And we are scheduling a screening of Kailani's film version of A Sense of Wonder. And we know Kailani has just an incredibly busy travel schedule, but fortunately this year she's going to be around Maine for the fair. And... Um, has offered to come up and do a little Q&A after the screening of the film. So that's really exciting. Um, we're going to be working with all the coordinators of the fair to encourage them to come up with some creative idea to honor Rachel Carson's life. Um, and we'll be letting folks know more about this as the summer progresses. Um, Great. So. That all sounds w wonderful, Heather. Yeah. It's amazing to me how, much, how many different fronts you can work on these issues 
and how much more work there always is to do. Yeah. Um, so I really admire your tireless <laughs> efforts <laughs> to uh, keep pushing the the movement forward um, in our in our corner of the world. Kailani, I'd love to have you um, kind of give us. Uh, an introduction of yourself since we haven't really heard from you yet this morning. We're so glad that you, you're joining us. Um, maybe you could give us a little um, history and perspective on your your relationship to, to Rachel Carson. Oh, I don't think you need to hear about me. <laughs> you gave a long introduction of me. Um, I, 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 I'm just so delighted that you're doing this on Carson. And uh, I'd like everybody in Maine to know that it's happening all over the world. So it's, um, when I first started doing the play 23 years ago, Carson was relatively unknown. I would go to university campuses and I would say 70 to 80% of the students and faculty had no idea who she was. And that's all completely changed. So it's very exciting and I think that that moments like the 50th anniversary of Silent Spring are another opportunity for all of us to underline the importance of this woman and the work she did um, and her enormous courage so that it begins to involve a larger community of, of people. Thanks. I'd like to remind you that you're listening to Common Ground, an hour on local food and agriculture hosted by MOFCA. And you're listening to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online through WERU.org. We are happy to take calls from listeners at this time. The number to call in the studio is 866-625-9378. That's 866-625-WERU. And while we're waiting for callers to come in, maybe we could um, give folks maybe who are listening and maybe haven't read Silent Spring or it's been a very long time since they've read Silent Spring, um, some of the, the major talking points, I guess. What, why, was this, why has this been such a, a groundbreaking and inspirational publication? Uh, I think one of the overarching themes the umbrella of the entire book is Carson's beautifully drawn theme of the interrelatedness of all life. Carson understood the grandeur of mankind, but she also understood us as a species, uh, as, as a part. And I think it was a very different way of looking at mankind at that point in history in the 50s and early 60s where we, we were pretty, particularly as Americans, confident about who we were and what our capacities and abilities were uh, as people. And um, she asked us to step back. And, well, let me go back a step. During um, the Second World War, she had a giant aha moment, which was with nuclear power. Um, and the atom bomb. And she said, I always thought that the oceans were big enough, the earth large enough, the heavens wide enough to absorb man's mistakes. And I, I realized how naive I was. I see we have the power to alter the world as we know it and possibly destroy it. And it changed her. 
and uh, she was always a scientist. She was an enormously gifted writer, but it pushed her into the realm of something that was totally new to her, which was to be an activist, to stand for these issues, and she went into it reluctantly. But by the time she accepted the responsibility to write Silent Spring, which was way more than writing it, it was researching it in all the latest of chemistry and biology with new facts coming in almost daily, she wrote in her journals. Um, I, I, by that time, there was no turning back for her. And so I, I think that's why there hasn't been another Carson. People always ask me after a performance, who's the Rachel Carson of today? And we have wonderful people who give um, enormous insight in through science, through poetry, literature, uh, in magnificent activists. But I don't know anyone else who wears all three of those hats. And I think it's one of the reasons she's lasted so. But the other thing is, in the 50s, science was becoming quite myopic. We were opening so many different fields. And in Silent Spring, she asks us to have an overview. She's terrified that we will lose the understanding of the interrelatedness of all life if every scientist went into just his own area of research. And I think it's, it's very important. Um, for us to continue to step back and look at the whole. So that's, that's I mean, the book is about chemicals and pesticides, and, but there's, there's an overarching theme about what we have to learn and how we participate with the natural world, which is a conscious-changing aspect of the book, which is enormously powerful. Thank you for that. I just want to pause here for a second to remind folks that um, you're listening to Common Ground, which is an hour of on local food and agriculture hosted by MOFCA. And today we're talking about the 50th anniversary of Silent Spring, the impact that that book has had on the environmental movement in the U.S. And we're inviting your calls. You can call the studio with your questions or comments or topics you would like us to focus our discussion on. The number is 866 625-9378 and uh, we welcome your calls. Um, Heather, maybe you would like to give your yeah. relationship to Silent Spring? Well, it, it's just such a beautiful book. It, it's so, I mean, I think everybody says this about how accessible it is and how um, poetic her writing is and one of the things that um, you know really strikes me is how we're dealing, we're struggling with so many of the concepts that she first brought to light still. So, um, you know, the, the flarebacks that she talks about of, you know, wiping out uh, pests only to have them come back stronger and, and create, you know, super pests. We're, we're dealing with that now and with, you know, after uh, widespread spraying of, of agrochemicals and also the use of um, genetically modified uh, crops. Um, and um, the dangers of systemic pesticides. Um, she talks a lot about about that in her in her books. And and um, something that we recently have have been learning about is um, some of the systemic chemicals that are being used even in nursery plants. Um, and so a lot of the flowers that you go, you know, if we go through these tough main winters and we want to go and get the beautiful flowers that are just so colorful to brighten up our our gardens. Um, and 
thinking, okay, well, I'm going to buy these nursery plants and raise them organically, um, you know, as, as, as well as we can. And, um, but now we're finding that many of these plants are treated with systemic chemicals that are, you know, causing uh, pollinators to die off after they come to them. And so, you know, these are uh, really themes that just keep coming back 50 years later. And I'm sure that that's something that, um, you know, Kailani, you must hear that a lot when you, after you do your Q&A after performances. They always, audiences always say, what's changed? Where are we? Um, I think the good news is that there is an environmental movement. There wasn't when she wrote the book. There was a conservation movement. But there is a massive environmental movement all over the world. And I think it would, it would delight her beyond belief. That said, Heather, you know, I don't want to put the wrong amount, but I think we use over 100% more chemical pesticides than we did in 1962 when the book was published. Well, it, what was interesting, too, is how she noted the, how quickly things took off, like the, the, you know, the, the, the doubling, the tripling, the quadrupling of, of um, pesticide application um, in such a short time yeah. in between the late 50s and the early 60s, and now she would probably be be horrified, although some things have been banned and phased out. Um, you know, a lot of the things that she, a lot of the organochlorines that she was so worried about, um, you know, have been re much more strongly regulated than they were when they were being used back then. But, um, you know, a lot of the organophosphates are still widely in use, widely in use in Maine on, on some of our major crops. And, um, and then some new classes of chemicals are being developed, and one of the things we'll be talking about in, in September at the public policy teach-in um, is the development of the neonicotinoid pesticides um, that are, you know, are believed to be particularly harmful to bees. Um, so uh, just creating one new... Uh, class of chemicals or um, pesticide that can be sprayed broadly um, just seems to, I don't know when we're, we're going to learn that uh, we, can't just, we can't just be spraying these, um, using this blanket distribution of these chemicals. Well, there's a reason that people use them. And I look, I meet people every day who are well-meaning, but they're looking for something that works fast. They're mm -hmm. weekend gardeners. They're uh, small plot um, summer gardens for vegetables, and they're frustrated, and they they look whether it's you know Roundup for poison ivy or, uh, and these are good, often progressive people, but they're not thinking of the whole. They they are not thinking. They're not thinking. <laughs> I don't think, but um, there's there's an, something that's been out for, I don't know, 20, 25 years that I think Carson would have stood behind. Um, and for some reason it hasn't caught hold, and it may be the words, but it's the precautionary principle. And it's what Carson said in different words over and over and over again, that we shouldn't do things, we shouldn't use these sprays, until, we shouldn't use genetically modified seeds we sh we, until we know what will happen. And, and um, she says it over and over again in her book, and I, I try to get these larger themes out to people because a lot of people think that they won't understand the science. But there, there are larger themes that are not
based um, in science jargon that anybody can understand. And there's so many roads into understanding and reading and appreciating and learning from Carson. And I, I keep trying to widen the the net of people who who could be touched by the information that she she gives us. Um, I, I would like to say one thing that. In 63, um, after the book came out in 62, and um, the New Yorker published it first, most of it in serial form, and Kennedy uh, was questioned by lots and lots of reporters, is it true, are we, are we killing ourselves, are we destroying the planet? And he created a scientific advisory committee at that point that spent months going over her material, and in the end agreed with her. And so there was this big um, horror. Congress had hearings and invited her in to speak. And Stuart Udall, who was the Secretary of the Interior then under Kennedy and then continued under Johnson, said that without the book and without Carson's testimony, which terrified Congress, there would have been none of the um, uh, the environmental regulations that were put in place. And those regulations, the, the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act, the Environmental Protection Agency, FIFRA, all of these are the pillars of environmental law today, and nothing has been created since. All of these went in... Uh, um, became enacted within a decade of her death of of Silent Spring, and um, so why, why haven't we been able to create any more? We've taken the teeth out of out of some of them that are there. But my husband, who, who's an environmental attorney, and all the attorneys I know, constantly go back to these to defend the natural world, and they're they're Carson's responsible for all of them, according to Udall. That's fascinating stuff, Kailani. We do have a caller on the line. Could you please give us uh, your name and where you're calling from and then share your question or comment? Yeah, sure. This is David. I'm calling from Brooklyn. Hi, David. Uh, Hi. Thanks so much for the show. I wasn't aware that it was time to celebrate Rachel Carson. It's it's really always time to celebrate Rachel Carson. But uh, uh, I remember when uh, the New Yorker published her uh, book, uh, and it was quite an event. I, that's when I finally got around to reading it. I read it in the installments that uh, New Yorker had put out, and it made uh, a, uh, an appropriately deep impression on me, I think, uh, which I've carried somewhere in me until uh, I just wanted to share a little bit of my own uh, history of relationship with with. Uh, Silent Spring and Rachel Carson is that I uh, recently, within the past 10 years, uh, came into uh, association with a woman named Marjorie Spock, uh, Dr. Benjamin's sister, uh, who worked with Rachel very closely. Uh, she and her friend had a, uh, an organic, uh, what we now call biodynamical farm on Long Island, which uh, did a lot of the... Uh, the research which uh, Rachel Carson used, and she she was uh, 
I, I think I, I'd be interested to hear the uh, the input from from you folks on this, but uh, I think that uh, Marjorie Spock was uh, a fairly great influence in in what happened with with the, uh, the actual publication of of the book and how it all came down. And I just wanted to speak a little bit about what I've learned from Marjorie and uh, through her uh, uh, from biodynamic agriculture as a as a practice. Uh, which seems to be exactly what Rachel Carson was talking about now listening to your show and uh, what I can put together from my own life experiences. Really, it's a very, very big unity that we're involved in. Uh, there's there's uh, the, the unity which the plant, the cosmos, and the earth represent as a, as a sort of polarity. The plant is in the middle between this vast cosmic space and the very focused planet of the earth on which we live and the planet the, the plant has to bridge that that gap and it's able to bridge that gap and that's why it nurtures us as humans when we eat it because we're eating the connection between the earth and the cosmos if the plant is grown with that awareness uh, we can we can actually uh, accentuate uh, the the health that we derive from eating plants which are which are grown I'll say biodynamically. Um, uh, I think that we came to a certain point with Rachel, uh, uh, a, a legally uh, legally codified point with her and with uh, the wonderful Secretary Udall, uh, which it may be we're not able to surpass because uh, the work now has uh, evolved or devolved onto uh, individual human beings uh, to pick up uh, the uh, the uh, the very exciting and uh, uh, transformative discovery of of how the earth and the cosmos are interconnected in in one totally unbreakable web. Uh, well, we can break it by ignoring the connection, as 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 uh, I heard earlier on the program, and. Uh, as in, you know, what what woke up Rachel Carson was in the nuclear era, and uh, we've you know we've been dabbling on and on in this without realizing our connectedness, and and there's only a certain amount of uh, of uh, consciousness raising that can be done legally. At a certain point, the consciousness raising I think needs to be taken up by us all as individuals, as as uh, growers of food and as of, uh, as uh, consumers of food, that when we eat food, we're not just eating substance. We're eating we're eating uh, uh, cosmic qualities. Uh, and until we get that part of the picture really solidly into our uh, our thought process, uh, you know, the the laws aren't going to really be able to do it for us. Thanks so much for your call, David. And I, I'm going to let you off the line so we can let another caller come in because since we've got one of our guests on the other line today. But um, maybe in between, oh, I'll give people the number again. Um, it's 866-625-9378. And um, maybe give Kailani a, a moment yeah, to I just want respond. to say you, yeah. you, I thank you for bringing up Marjorie Spock. She's one of innumerable people who uh, was very, very important to the writing of Silent Spring. Carson did not want to write the book. She was planning a book on children and nature based on her son. Um, she was reached to by many people, but Marjorie Spock had come back from training in Germany. 
um, studying um, biodynamic agriculture and had an enormous organic farm on Long Island. It was sprayed repeatedly by New York State, and she filed a lawsuit and uh, reached out to Carson and sent her all the material. And again, Carson really kept saying she tried to get everybody else to do this. <laughs> and um, finally, after about a year and a half, she took it on. Uh, but Marjorie Spock was terribly, terribly important in that step. I don't know that there was anybody more important. So thank you for bringing her up. And she's a wonderful person. She just died, I think, two years ago and uh, was a big help to me in my research as well. We do have another caller on the line. Can you give us your name and where you're calling from? Did we lose the caller on the Hello, oh, okay. am I here Hi. yet? Hi, yes, you're here now. Oh, good morning. It's the Analog Anarchist from Dover Foxcroft. Um, good morning. I, I'm, I'm not feeling all that optimistic about being able to turn things around through the legislative route. I'm not going to put down anybody that does that. But we're looking at uh, Monsanto as Roundup is becoming less effective. They've gone all the way back to 2,4-D. Anybody from my generation remembers 2,4-D is one half of the formula of Agent Orange, the other half being 2,4-5-T, by the way. But 2,4-D is back in, in being used in the field. Just yesterday, uh, I was listening to, out and working out my garden, I have a loudspeaker for WRU, and I don't remember if I was listening to uh, Sprout or Free Speech Radio News. At any rate, the new NAFTA um, law that's, that's uh, being considered uh, threatens the country of origin labeling of food, which in, in Maine is done at the state level, and a federal law, of course, would supersede this. And the provisions of this NAFTA bill, or whatever it's called, are going to be secret until after it's in effect as law. So uh, I think there's a, a lot of uh, room here for uh, a lot of uh, action here, and, and maybe political and other types of action are, are going to, boy, turn this around because it's uh, not looking good. Thank you. Thanks, Analog. <laughs> um, one quick comment, and then I, I should shut up and let Heather talk. Is that I think for anybody who considers themselves an activist or who is perturbed and upset by these issues, um, th there, uh, both the last two callers talked about uh, uh, regulating or, or legal action, and they felt it wasn't enough. Uh, to my mind, there are two jobs for us as activists. Stopping the bleeding, which is the regulation, which is legal, um, petitioning, um, and and that's urgent because th that's how you you sue Monsanto and you stop them in their tracks until until maybe um, y you have more information. But secondly, and equally as important, is changing the consciousness, and that's what both callers also alluded to, uh, the, the individual personal responsibility. But it's more than personal understanding and compassion and, and literacy. I, I try to do it. That's why I wrote the play. I try to do it through art. Teachers do it through education. And changing the consciousness is ultimately what needs to happen. But it's a long, slow process. So we have to have those people stopping the bleeding up in the front lines. It, but both things have to happen simultaneously. And I think there is a lot of hope. But we all have to get involved. To me, the greatest enemy is complacency. Thanks for that perspective, Kailani. It's really insightful, I think. Yeah, it's really important. And I... I I think it was, I think that um, Rachel Carson 
quoted Albert Schweitzer in her book. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if, if, if it was she or Albert Schweitzer who, who noted that the only way that change really is going to happen is if people have the true facts. They have access to unfiltered information about what is out there. And I think that's one of the things that's been so challenging here in Maine with our um, right-to-know uh, efforts is that it, it, it is very difficult to get access to information about what is being sprayed where, and it's, it can be somewhat intimidating, and um, it doesn't have to be that way. But I think that the more limited the information is that's out there, then the more complacent the public is going to be. I want to remind folks that you're listening to Common Ground, an hour on local food and agriculture, hosted by MOFCA here on WERU. This is a call-in show. We welcome your call. Today we're talking about Rachel Carson's Silent Spring. It's the 50th anniversary of the publication of Silent Spring, so we're talking about the environmental movement, the importance that uh, Rachel Carson, the important role that Rachel Carson played in inspiring the beginning of the modern environmentalist movement, and uh, we welcome your call. The number here in the studio is 866-625-9378. And um, we can continue maybe on that thread of um, information, the importance of of good information and how challenging that can be um, to not, you know, I noticed you used the word unfiltered. How, How do you get unfiltered information? Well, <clears throat> one of the the things that um, is required of people who are spraying, um, if if a neighbor requests it, is a material safe material safety data sheet, which can be very dense and and difficult to understand. Um, but it does have a lot of good information for people who are wanting to dig a little more deeply into um, detail about what they're being exposed to, potentially being exposed to. Um, but one of the things that we've found um, particularly challenging in the work that we've been doing in the legislature is that it's like every week or every, every other week there is some major study that comes out uh, implicating agrochemical pesticides, um, synthetic pesticides, in very, very serious human and environmental diseases. And these are studies that are being conducted by, you know, the National Institutes of Health, the um, World Health Organization, um, Harvard University, Washington State University, you know, major research institutions, very credible, peer-reviewed studies that are showing that you know pesticides are attributing you know, are, are contributing to the rise in incidence of uh, neurological disorders, um, endoc- endocrine disruption, um, uh, cancer. Um, all kinds of different, very serious human maladies, and um, and yet, when you go to a public uh, forum, oftentimes, the chemical industry and some policymakers are there dismissing this and saying, "Oh, it's just it's all emotional hype. It's all just like it's not emotional hype. These are these are very serious um, peer-reviewed studies. You know, each month there's a they're mounting more and more and." Uh, and they are cause for alarm for the general public, and people just want to know. We're, we're actually we have we have not been focusing on trying to ban uh, 
you know, certain pesticides, we've been much more focused on just access to information. So, but that's, that's a really tough one because, you know, as we were saying before, the more people know, the, the more likely they're going to be to make choices to, to, um, to make alternative choices. Um, and that is happening. I mean, that, that really is, you know, obviously, um, the, uh, the growth of organic farming and the growth and uh, um, increase in availability of organic produce um, year-round in Maine and beyond um, is, is very encouraging. The number of, uh, of uh, new farms that are taking shape in Maine are overwhelmingly organic, which is really encouraging. So, so there are some real encouraging factors. Absolutely. I think on, back on that, that topic of materials being used and the mounting evidence sort of against them, it's important to note that many of these are not exclusively commercial products. These are things that you can buy off the shelf mm-hmm. at your local hardware store. Mm-hmm. That's that's really frightening. People assume, I think, that because you can just buy it off the shelf, that it's safe. Right. Well, they, yeah, that's was what happened in the fifties. I mean, that was DDT is good for me. You know, I mean, there. But I'd like to say that that there's also Carson writes. Clearly, she even, it's a chapter head that, that we have the obligation to endure gives us the right to know. And she charges us with being informed. And she says, you cannot expect your science professor, if he's being funded by Dow Chemical, to give you the unfiltered truth. He cannot, he will not bite the hand that feeds him. Follow the money. She uses these expressions that seem so contemporary, and and but she charges us to be informed, and I that goes back to the complacency. Oh, it's all right if I can buy it at the hardware store, um, it's okay. Uh, or if the guy at the hardware store or the person at the health food store says, "Oh, sure, it's organic," <laughs> uh, um, well, it doesn't have an organic label on it. Oh, but it, everything's here is natural, and but natural is different from. I mean, you. It's our responsibility to push that envelope and to be informed. And Carson says it, it won't happen if we're not. Um, and I, I deeply believe that. And I think that today people are so overwhelmed with the amount of information out there, and the you know difficulty in holding on to a job and raising a family and all the telecommunications and everything that's going on that that they just go it's just food i just let me eat something that's sweet and good and yummy and if i've grown it in my garden it's going to be good for me <laughs> um I, but we we have to take responsibility and, and I, I, I don't think we can let ourselves off the hook. I don't think we can always blame other people. There are a lot of battles to be fought. Um, there's a lot of dark forces out there that are moving for profit. Um, but we as individuals have to look, get informed, and make informed decisions that aren't always the easiest ones. I think we may have to find a spokesperson position for you at MOFCO. <laughs> <laughs> we do have another caller on the line. Can you give your name and where you're calling from, please? Yes, um, this is Becky Bartovic uh, from North Haven. Hello, um, my dear. Hello, Lon. <laughs> <laughs> We're old friends, but uh, I wanted to just, um, you, you know, weigh in on this um, a little bit. One is that years ago... Um, 
I w- had a chance to have a, a discussion with a Harvard, gra- a Harvard Business School uh, student who, w- and this was probably in the mid-70s, and, you know, the whole theory of um, what a business's responsibility was um, was really being taught, and I believe still is today, that the buyer must beware and the, you know, uh, that the businesses do not need or should not be required to encourage folks to understand what products are in things. And, um, you know, I'm working right now on, I'm um, in the main chapter of Sierra Club, doing some work on the tar sands potential coming to Maine through the uh, Portland-Montreal pipeline. That um, is a, you know, a huge problem when it spills because there's a proprietary mix of chemicals that they have to put in this very thick product in order to have it even flow. Um, they have to heat it up too, but um, they, uh, you know, so it's, it's it's horrible in many many ways. But th- when it spills, no one knows what's in it, and um, and they won't tell you what's in it because it's a proprietary mix. So this is a you know this is a serious issue, and it's there's a great degree of urgency, you know, that we all should be taking um, an opportunity to tell our legislators and to, you know, talk to the Army Corps whenever we can and any other uh, groups who have some responsibility towards permitting to, in order to keep their feet to the fire that we need to know what's happening to our environment. Um, so just wanted to weigh in on that. Becky, before you go, what, where can people go if they would like more information about this issue? Uh, the tar sands issue, you can go on the uh, main.sierraclub.org website. Actually, we're taking a, um, a bus trip to uh, the uh, Northeast uh, Governors and, and Premiers Summit in, uh, uh, on the 29th of July. Um, we're going to have a human oil spill rally up there. So, um, if, you're, if anyone's interested, you can um, go to our website and get more information about that. So main.sierraclub.org on that one. Um, but I salute you for doing this, and Mofka does a great job with um, helping us understand about pesticides and herbicides, uh, too. So thank you for doing this program. Thanks for your call, Becky. Yep. Thanks, Becky. This is Heather again. And um, I've just been thinking, you know, a lot of the work that we do at Mofka and, and in collaboration with um, the Alliance for Clean and Healthy Maine um, is really trying to get at access to information about these chemicals that are some 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 of them unregulated before they come to market, some of them um, total mysteries, um, inerts certainly in pesticides um, can be even more toxic and harmful than the um, active ingredients that uh, are ac- publicly marketed, um, and you know a lot of this is. We're, we're, we're doing this work for future generations. Now two generations have passed since. Uh, Silent Spring came out, and, and we have made progress in some areas, and I think we've lost some ground in others. But, um, you know, I think about a lot of this work for, for the future of, of, of Maine, the, the next generation of, of Maine's leaders, the kids now, the babies that are being born now, and, and the toddlers and the young kids who are, are learning this. And I was wondering, Kailani, if you, um, if you have ever been asked to do special, you know, versions of your performance or uh, for children for children yeah I have a lot and I've I've said it I I don't know how to change it it took me so long to write this version um but I I talk to children a lot I I um 
and I, I think it's something I will do in the future, create something that, that can be translated for young people. Well, you mentioned that um, what Rachel Carson wanted to do before Marjorie, yeah. pres- not pressured yeah. her, but convinced her, was yeah. to write a, a book about kids and nature. And, yeah. And, um, and she you- wrote her beautiful book, um, which she didn't write it, actually. She wrote a series of articles that were turned into a book after she died called The Sense of Wonder, mm-hmm. um, the Sense of Wonder uh, which is about how parents and teachers can teach their child to grow um, at one with the natural world around them. Um, you know, it, it, do you guys think that there are a number of people in their listening audience who've never read the book? I'm sure that there probably are. Well, there's one thing that surprised me the first time I read it, and I'm sad to say that it's still true today, and I, I think it's sort of an electrifying piece of information, which is the Environmental Protection Agency can only look so many chemicals, and new chemicals are being created constantly. Um, and they have, I think, um, studied less than 90% of chemicals that are out there. Maybe it's 88%. Um, but they still have no way of understanding the combinations. And and I so when your child or you eat at a fast food restaurant. Nobody knows what's been sprayed on the lettuce. Nobody knows the antibiotics that are in the hamburger. Nobody knows where the hamburger meat has come from, what preservatives are in the bread, um, what the heck you're drinking as a cola drink, and what's in that. Um, what That has nothing to do even with the air you're breathing as you're in line with your car and you're getting exhaust, um, to brushing your teeth with what's in your water, whether it's city water or well water. Um, I mean, it's massive. The, what, what's in your water from detergents that are being used? No one has any idea of the combination of these effects on us. But Carson warned us that with the information she had, that she, she said childhood cancer is going to become an enormous problem. And it has. And people poo-pooed that and said she didn't have the, enough, you know, facts to make that um, comment. And she said, no, I, I, but looking at the facts that we have and looking at the trajectory, we're, we're poisoning the next generation. And we have the potential to, to make way more than cancer. Um, Theo Coburn, a famous, wonderful scientist for writing about endocrine disruptors, he says sometimes we always look for cancer and there are other issues. But I, I just think, again, it goes back to the wholeness of looking, looking at the whole. And, and so whether it's our air, our soil, our water, the chemicals that are used, um, I, we, need, we need to look at the whole and we, we, we can't keep up with it. We're going to try to squeeze in one more call in our last few minutes here. Can you give your name and briefly your and where you're calling from and a little short question? <laughs> uh, yes, it's Jody in Harborside. Hi, Jody. I'd like to offer a couple of recommendations. Um, on Tuesday at the Real Pizza Cinema in Bar Harbor, a wonderful film on David Suzuki, an activist in Canada, is being screened. It's a film called Force of Nature, and I 
I uh, haven't seen it, but I know of David Suzuki's work, as I'm sure you do, and um, I would recommend that uh, people go to that. I think it's in the afternoon, uh, but it, the times are listed in the local papers. Um, also, the story of Marjorie Spock is told at length in Linda Lear's book on um, Rachel Carson. It's a fascinating story that uh, goes into great detail. Um, Third, uh, I would recommend John Wargo's book, Green Intelligence, which has a chap- with two chapters, I think, on pesticides in the context of uh, a number of other problems involving regulation. And uh, green intelligence, as he defines it, means that people will educate themselves uh, about the issues and, and be proactive, as a number of us in Maine are being in trying to bring about change, particularly uh, with lawn care chemicals and, and chemicals that are being sprayed around schools. Okay, thank um, you, I'm, Jody. Um, and Kailani, I think I remember seeing on your website that you have a performance coming up. Yes, I, thank you. Uh, July 28th in Damariscata, I'm, I'm doing a live performance of A Sense of Wonder. At, I think it's the Lincoln Theater for, for Audubon, Friends Great. of Hogs, Hog Island. Great. Well, believe it or not, our time has almost come to an end here. I'd like to thank our guests, Heather Spaulding from Mafka and Kailani Lee, who wrote and performs a play about Rachel Carson's life and works. And I'd also like to thank Joel for engineering the show, and I hope that Amy Brown is enjoying her vacation. Be sure to join us next month when Cheryl Wixon will return as your host and we'll be talking about Preserving the Harvest. That will be Friday, August 3rd at 10 a.m. right here on your community radio, WERU-FM. And thanks for listening in today.